Hello everybody and welcome back to Economics. AJ here. Today we're going to talk about a company I love. I've been using this company for uh, over two years straight every day. I'm, uh, I'm one of those. I, I'm talking about Duolingo, the language learning app. Now, I have this new cool feature so I can show you um, the graphs and the PEs and the, and the stock price. So, uh, before we start, don't forget to subscribe, like the comment, like the video, comment, or whatever it is that you want to do. Now, in this video, we're going to talk about Duolingo. First, what is it? The mission, the founder, business model. Uh, we're going to see the financials a little bit. It just went public six months ago, so there's not many, many information out there, but we're going to analyze up to the last quarter. Uh, risks uh, and price, price targets by analyst. And, and and that's it. So let's get started. Duolingo is a learning app. Uh, it was it was started in 2012, um, and I've been using it for over two years to the point that uh, I have over 800 straight days using this app on a daily basis. And that means not like I spend hours, but you know, two, three, four, five minutes to make one of the lessons I like. Uh, German, French, Hebrew, you know, and they're, I really, really love their tree-based uh, method. They're, they have it very well um, gamified, and we're going to understand why because of the founder. So it's very hard to stop using it after you start um, accumulating days, because after you have 100, I remember before I started this last uh, streak of 800 this is says 807, but I'm really at 841. This is an old um, screenshot. But the interesting thing is, before I had this 807 day streak, I had over 180 and I lost it um, because I didn't use it for two, three days and I couldn't recover it. And uh, I it, it was so annoyed that I started again. And I was like, okay, I'm not gonna pay attention to these gamification methods that they use. But in the end, I continue doing it every day. I already did it this morning. I'm a paid subscriber since uh, around August or September when they really pushed it when they were going public. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Duolingo, but I'm not an investor. And I'm going to tell you why, even though I'm very bullish on this company long term. Now, the stock price, and let's move here. And sorry, the numbers should be uh, in black instead of white because you, you cannot see it very well. But it went public on, on July 2021. Uh, the first price that they were talking about was uh, 102. Even though beforehand they were thinking about 95, 97, they went out and uh, public, they did the IPO in 102 and they shoot up straight to 139. Uh, everybody was very excited. Uh, it was valuing the company at around 3.5 to 4 billion. And uh, then it went down to uh, what do we see here? 120 on the 26th. It hit 120, 26th of August. Then it shoot up to 202, valuing the company of around 5 billion. The founder and management were at every TV station um, after the IPO. A lot of people, a lot of hype with this company, but then it started going down and it hit 95 in December, on the 10th of December, and now it's standing today at 105, a valuation of little over 3 billion. 
Now, it's a lot of money for a company that still doesn't make money. It went public, as I said, in July 28th. Uh, but the Duolingo app has been available publicly from 2012. That's a lot of years. That's why their app, their app and, uh, and software is so good. A lot of years of development. And uh, as they say here, and let me switch this, their mission is basically to develop the best education in the world and make it universally available. Look at, they're not talking anymore about languages. And this is a very key factor on the future of Duolingo. They're not mentioning the best language education. No, they took that word out and we're going to see why. That's a key uh, thing in the story of Duolingo and the future of Duolingo and the investors. The founder, Luis Bonan, uh, this guy, he's a genius, a genius. He created, and let me see, I wrote a few points here. He's a Guatemalan origin, Guatemalan entrepreneur, a consulting professor in Carnegie Mellon. He did the PhD there. He studied under uh, one of the top, top academics in, uh, in computer science in Carnegie Mellon. He participated in the creation of CAPTCHA. He was one of the founders of ReCAPTCHA, the company that was later sold to Google. And uh, he's basically considered, um, uh, in computer science, he's a legend, but he's considered uh, one of the pioneers of crowdsourcing based on the ReCAPTCHA model and CAPTCHA model. Basically, using uh, hundreds of thousands of images that computer software couldn't read and basically crowdsourcing it, finding a useful solution. Basically, Google found um, security that you're human. So they make you do this little test that you're human, but they're using that information to correct the computer models and use that data to solve and, and, and correct the information of these models. Brilliant, brilliant dude that created this solution. Then he founded and he's still the CEO of Duolingo. Uh, this Luis von Ann, I really, if you are interested in this crowdsourcing data and information, he's one of the kings of it. So I highly suggest you look for it. You'll uh, research him a little bit more if you're interested. But let's go back to Duolingo now. We already saw the mission that they're talking about education, not only languages, and we talked about founder. But the business model, what is the business model? Now, let's go and check here the business model. Um, First, they have four sources of income, uh, subscriptions, ads, uh, tests, and in-app purchases. No, it's divided here, this, this little red dot here. Wait, I'm not used to this technology yet. This little red dot is at 2% uh, and this basically is the 2% that in-app purchases means in the revenue of the company. Uh, if we see here the red dot, the yellow dot is 9% uh, dual English test and we're going to talk about it in a second. 15% ads if you have the free version of the software and you're using Duolingo without paying on monthly. You see ads after you complete a lesson and between lessons, blah, blah, blah. So that's 15 of the revenue that's been increasing quite a bit and it should continue to increase a lot. And 73%, this big uh, green dot is subscriptions that have grown to 2.2 million. Now, if we see this exact four distinctions in their uh, earnings in the last quarter, and let's go and I'll show you, the subscription, as we said, around 73% of revenue, they have three 
uh, $13 a month or $7 if you pay uh, for 12 months and a family pack. Now, this has grown a lot from 1.5 to 2.2 million people that pay right now. We're going to see that in revenue uh, in a second. The ads uh, 50% and they should increase because most of the people do not pay for the software and 2% uh, in-app purchases that uh, are basically when you use the free version and you want to continue studying, you have to pay for more diamonds, more emeralds. It's very gamified and they continue to find ways to monetize uh, $2, $3, Euros, whatever. And um, and they've grown that and they should that should keep increasing. And the thing that surprised me is the growth of their Duolingo English test that now is accepted by thousands of institutions uh, and it's 49 US dollars each for the test. I was surprised because I knew the company but I didn't know about this 10%. They should grow this because we're going to talk about one of the big risks of this investment which is churn. But before let's go to financials. The financials we can see let's go to our ticker that we usually use this. So even though it has grown from 28 million to 63 million from the first quarter of 2020 to the third quarter of 2021, it's a big growth and we see that the gross margin is 71 to 72 percent, which is astonishing. It's very, very good. They're still not profitable, even though they're cash flow positive. Um, let's look at uh, the last earnings, as we saw before here. Monthly active users is standing at 41.7 million. Daily active users at 9.8 million. That's respectively a 13 and 16% year-over-year growth. That in itself is not very good. Let's be honest. Not very good if we're thinking about a company that is not profitable yet and most of their uh, subscribers have come in the last six months because they went public and they really made a push. I was one of the ones that uh, became a subscriber. So I'm part of the statistics here. But uh, those two numbers don't talk very well of the growth of daily active users, but we see subscribers and bookings, we see that the subscribers grew 49% year over year to 2.2 million and bookings up 57% to 73 million. Revenue, 63%, 40% uh, year over year. And as we said, cash flow positive. Now, and you don't see the cash flow here, it's behind me, but here it is. It surprises me that I don't know how much they can keep it up this growth in subscribers because they have they still have to grow in, in monthly active users because at some point the subscribers are going to get to what eight percent of monthly active users now they're at 5.5 but if they grow over 10 percent that would be weird because usually in a freemium model there's a, a pain the subscriber and then the free so uh, they should really take more advantage of the free users to put more ads and monetize them more because I don't think they're going to be able to go over 10%. Now, that's one of the things that worry me about the growth and uh, the churn because they cannot keep growing uh, active users or register users indefinitely. Now, this was the financials. I wanted to talk about risks and price. Now, after they went public in 2012, the, the app has been downloaded over 500 million times. But they put this as a good thing everywhere. But what it tells me is that 90% of the people that downloaded the app are not using it anymore. They're, uh, if they have 41 million active users, 
uh, monthly active users, that means that 450 million that downloaded the app are uh, neglecting it. They're not using it. So it's a 90% churn. Uh, most of the competitors of Duolingo are owned by private equity. They're not public. So there's not so much information, but Babel ran a survey. And basically, just to figure out why are people studying languages, basically, not many people study languages uh, for the fun of it. Uh, usually, people doing for be before a flight or before a, a travel or while they're traveling, and then they stop. People have stuff to do. Uh, 450 million people are not using it now of their ones that are registered. In 2020... Duolingo spent 22% of the revenue on sales and marketing. Duolingo is in a business that is inherently a high churn business. Language learning is a high churn business. Duolingo is putting its money where its mouth is now. Its biggest expense is not anymore um, uh, advertising and marketing and sales, but rather research and development. And the most recent quarter, according to this, it was 37% of its revenue. Now, if we go back to our ticker, we see that R&D expenses here are $29 million in this quarter that they had revenues of $63.3 million. That's a very high percentage of the revenue. That's almost almost 50% of the revenue they spend on R&D. And they have, oh, wait, here, 29.35, and they were at the first quarter of 2020 at less than 10 million so they've tripled over tripled the caught them the spending on r&d and they're basically spending half of the revenue on r&d instead of uh, marketing which is very good but it also tells us something important about the company the company knows it doesn't have a future if they stick to language learners that's a problem but they're trying to figure it out uh, language learning, as we saw, is an inherently churn, high churn business. And so I was very pleased when they went public. We saw, um, and let me show you here because it's easier. If we go to the Twitter of Bosena Payak, uh, she is the VP of Learning and Curriculum at Duolingo, tweeted, Duolingo is venturing into teaching math and we're looking for a learning scientist who is an expert, blah, 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 blah. Basically, uh, she came out and saying, look, we're going to start using the same technology, the same methodology and the same system that we're using to hook all these millions of people into language learning and trying to translate that into less churn uh, sectors of education. Basically, math, physics, uh, calculus, algebra, everything that you can tie up people for years and they pay for this software on a monthly basis what do the analysts say what can we expect of this company of this stock in the next 12 18 months now i i checked on ticker but i put it on this little uh new thing that i have here and uh basically let's wait until loads three of the analysts say uh that duolingo is a buy two uh put it at outperforms and four suggest that investors should hold it. Now, this is not very good. It's good that it's not sales, but most we, we like seeing a lot of in the green and yellow. We don't like seeing that much in hold. Hold means if you don't own it, don't buy it. If you buy, if you bought it, just hold it because you might make your money back or it might go up a little, but it's not 
uh, buy and outperform, which is what we like seeing. But let's see, only six analysts predicted price, I think. Let me show you here. Uh, basically, the high, high, high um, price target is at $200. The medium is at 181 low 150 and the mean the one the most important one the mean among all this uh, analyst is 177 with 83 dollars now remember this stock is at 105 now so it would be a big jump to 177 i don't think we're gonna see it at 177 and i'm a bull i i am a bull for duolingo long term if they can really show us that they're gonna translate leverage all these technology and resources that they have for other uh verticals in learning that don't have such a high turn as language learning there's a reason why not many language learning apps and softwares are public because they're inherently not the best businesses to be in people don't learn languages for the fun of it but the technology, as I've been hooked for years already, so I really think if they would have in the same app for the same price, if I could have calculus or physics, I would do them as well just to, uh, um, and just for the fun of it. But I'm not the business of Duolingo. The business of Duolingo are people that need it. And because the, te the English test have become such a big, a 10% of the revenue, I think they should leverage all this network of thousands of schools and universities that accept their test leverage that technology that they have leverage the gamification that they've developed and leverage their connections to basically get millions of people learning universal languages like physics and math on their system that would be priceless that would make this company very valuable and um i will not be investing right now in duolingo even though i love it i wish i would but I'm not really convinced right now. I would keep an eye on it. If I would have stocks, I would keep them because they're $105, $3 billion. I would suspect they were going to go up during 2021. But I don't expect uh, a, the big um, return on investment right now. And I'm not confident. I want to see what they're going to do with all this uh, technology and how they're going to not pivot, but increase their verticals under the same umbrella or if they're going to have another app. It's going to be very interesting to see. Thank you very much. Hope you liked it. Remember to subscribe, like, and comment. It really helps a lot. And uh, thank you to Artie for letting me use this new uh, cool feature on these videos. More videos to come. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Bye.